Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. You're listening to BSH Radio. Is this true? Live from the WIP studios in Philadelphia. The hockey team, the Flyers. And right here on BroadStreetHockey.com. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. Uh, Like John said in the intro, we are live at the WIP Studios. We have an awesome show for you tonight. Uh, It's the off-season, but we're planning two off-seasons from now. We're doing Ron Hextall's homework for him. It's all about Wayne Simmons tonight. This is... uh, uh, Wayne Simmons is probably the most interesting uh, interesting situation the Flyers are going to have in terms of uh, uh, retaining a player in a long time. His contract's up in two years. He'll be up for an extension in a year. So let's get right into it. Uh, first and foremost, joining me on the panel, my broadcast partner in crime, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. Bill Matz, last week you proposed... And a, a deal for Wayne Simmons that, that made me laugh out loud at my desk at work. This was, I'm scrolling to it, it was five years, $5.5 million for his next contract at 31 years old. Yes. Absolutely not. Why? Because he's 31 years old. And? And it's the year 2017 and you're already planning for two years in the future. Absolutely not. You don't know how he's going to age in two years. So- All right, that's the but that's the jumping off point. He has shown exactly zero signs of decline so far, and we're having that conversation in the present. Right now, if his production holds out, that is a steal, much like his last contract was. That would be great, but there's absolutely zero chance he would take that contract. I don't know that. Well, to, I do. To, to clarify, well, just to make in sure. Fairness, that- none of us. Sorry, I'm sorry, Charlie, but none of us know any of this because it's two years in the future. All right, show's over. Steph ended it. That's it. To clarify, just Thanks, to make sure we're, we're all speaking the same language here, he could not sign an extension today. So Until yes. after this so, season. Yes, yeah, so the earliest he could sign an extension would be at the beginning of next league season. July 1st. Which would be July 1st of 2018. So you would basically be looking at him getting extended a year before his current contract ends. That's the absolute earliest. Now, obviously, the Flyers don't have to do that. They can wait longer. He can have free agency, but... It's not as if they would be signing in two years in the future. It's not like they'd be pulling like a Phillies with uh, with Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard, yeah. Like they're you're just not allowed to sign a guy until it's a year left in his deal. That so, voice you just heard was Charlie O'Connor. So for me, the Wayne Simmons question comes down to where the Flyers are. I, I think Wayne Simmons will probably stay a good player over the next two years. I think there's a very good chance Wayne Simmons will stay a good player for the beginning of his next contract. My question, and what will drive whether I'm in favor of re-signing Wayne Simmons or whether I'm in favor of them shopping him, is if the Flyers are ready, when his contract is about to expire, to take that next step into cup contention. Because if they're a cup contender, I want Wayne Simmons on that team. If they're where they're at right now, two years down the road, I don't want Wayne Simmons on that team because by the time the Flyers could theoretically get to that point, he's going to be clearly on the downswing. So for me... It depends on where the Flyers are. It has very little to do with Wayne Simmons. It just has to do with whether the Flyers are ready to compete and whether you need that leadership guy and that 
that because Wayne Simmons, people looked at him as a core piece. I don't view Wayne Simmons as a core piece in the sense that like you absolutely need him to win a title. He helps. He's like your third, fourth, fifth best forward on a good team. But he does things that it's hard to find in the open market. However, if you're if you're a team that's battling for a playoff spot, I don't want the value that you're getting out of Wayne Simmons to be in those first two years when your team's average. And then when your team's getting good at the end of that contract, that's when Wayne Simmons is trending downwards. That's, that's if, my opinion. If this team in the next two years and then going forward the first say, two to three years of that potential next contract, if they are not competing for a Stanley Cup, uh, everyone's yeah. going to be gone. Yeah, I'm, so I'm not concerned about any of it. Because <laughs> that means they're us. all... That means, yeah, that, this, show will have, this show will have tanked. Oh, we'll, uh, we'll have self-destructed I will have completely point. disowned the team. Hextall will be unemployed. Hackstall will be unemployed. Jake Voracek won't be here. They'll be talking about moving Claude Drew, but they won't be able to because he'll be terrible. I, Comcast will probably just disown the franchise. <laughs> if they're not competing for Eastern Conference Finals, at least in the next two to three years, I will probably jump off of a bridge. I'm just saying. That's my opinion. Last but not least, Kelly Hinkle. So I personally think that it's not going to have a lot to do with the Flyers unless they're willing to pay him because this is really Wayne Simmons' one chance in his career to get a giant paycheck. Because, as you stated, at the end of whatever contract he signs next, he's going to be on the decline. So his next, next contract is not going to be a big one. If he's even in the league. Right. Right now... I'd argue that he's one of the more underrated players in the league. I think that he brings a lot to the table that a lot of people don't appreciate. And I think that he knows that. And I think that other teams know that. And if a team is on the bubble or a team is getting ready to turn into a cup contender, they're going to pay Wayne Simmons money. They might pay him TJ Oshie money. And I I don't think that would be a... I mean, it might be an overpayment if he declines quickly, but I think he'll get that money and I think he'll have earned it. And I don't see him staying here for a big discount, like five million a year. Oshi is a great comparable, though. But Oshi got like five seven five, didn't he? It's not a. He, Oshi's a great comparable for eight years. That's though. a fair amount of money, especially over that term. Sure, but the end of that I, deal doesn't matter. The Capitals are winning a cup now. The last huh, four well, years of that deal well, don't actually. are they? No, that's their plan. They need to win a cup now. Four years from now doesn't matter because they're all in right now. But you just made my point for me. My point is that. If the Flyers are in maybe not the exact same position the Capitals are in now, but they're in a position where they think they can make a run, then you do what the Capitals do with Oshie. You you get a good deal in the short term and then worry about the the issues on the back half of the deal in the, in the long term because you want to win now. But if the Flyers aren't ready to win now, then like the Oshie deal wouldn't have made any sense for Vancouver to sign because they suck now. So why would you sign a 31-year-old or a 30-year-old or whoever old, old TJ Oshie is to a deal that's decent now but bad later when you know your team is going to be bad now and might be good later, and then when your team might be good is when the deal's hurting you? But what happens if we sign him to a long-term deal and... Let's say the Flyers go on and win a cup. Are we just, oh, fuck it, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, oh, pretty okay. much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> 1975, <laughs> fam. I, t- I, I don't care about Comcast's bottom line. But don't News you flash. Keep- oh, my God. We want to keep, you know, a bunch keep of these winning. guys for They'll a long term. They'll figure it out. Jonathan right. Taves is getting $10 million a season. 
Fair. They're figuring it out. They had 100 points well, last year. Well, Plus, we're going to lock out in 2020 anyway. Yeah, there's I mean, compliance miles, obviously. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> if the so Flyers I, aren't in position to win, that's a whole other problem. Wayne Simmons' contract won't be the problem. It'll be the two guys making 17 mil. It'll be all the defensive prospects that didn't turn out. It'll be not having a goalie. It'll be, oh, and we okay, got Wayne Simmons right. here for okay. a couple more years, let's, too. Let's, let's back up, like, about five years. <laughs> let's back up. So when he needs a new deal... Let's go through the list of players who also need new deals and why this is going to be complicated. So you've got Michael Roffel, who I don't think will be a complication. See ya. You have Jordan Wheel, who probably also will not be a complication. We've got Travis Konechny. You've got Vecchioni, who like who cares? Yeah. You've got Ivan Provorov, both current NHL goalies, Scott Lawton, Travis Sanheim, and then a bunch of other dudes that I don't care about. Yeah, it's a they lot. They all need new deals at the same time. All right, so nobody except Provorov who's going to be expensive. Konechny uh, might be. Konechny maybe. might be. Sanheim mm. might be, depending on what happens this year and next yeah. year. Yeah. Sanheim's not going to be. <laughs> He's not an NHL player yet. I'm not worried about guys who aren't in well, the Well, we're talking two years in the future. In he very years, easily he could be. be and probably will be He'll an NHL player. He'll have one year in the league yeah. at that point. Future. Yeah, you, you get paid. He'll have that, one year in the league. That first contract at your ELC, you get paid for basically how much you've done in the NHL to that point. And if Travis Anai makes the NHL team this year and kills it for two years, yeah, he'll make bank. But if he just makes the team like midway through this year and then has a decent like full rookie year... Probably gets a bridge deal, or maybe the Flyers sign into a Gossis Bear type deal. Maybe Provorov's the only guy who's like who, who could potentially be approaching like an Ekblad yes, type contract. And so many contracts are coming off the books between now and then. You mentioned Not Rob McDonald. Many Mc- oh, No, no, no. Andrew McDonald will be, still be on the you'll books. Have, we'll, you'll yeah, have but one, they'll, buy, they'll buy him. Out. You'll have one more yeah. year of McDonald. The uh, the Umberger buyout is over after this year. The uh, the Latera <laughs> deal is over in two years, and the Philpola deal is over Briz, after this year. Briz still on the books. Briz is oh, yeah. There's no cap hit on that. Yeah, but they, they're yeah. still paying him real money. Who cares? Between Philpola and Latera, there's like close to ten million between just those two. Oh, I know, see, I know I, all about it. So I'm living. Raffles in a, at two three five. Weiss, uh, Weiss is at two three five. I mean, Matt, Matt Reed's at three. Reed's six. over. Like he's near four. Yeah, like his deal is you're, you're looking at, at a ton of money that's also coming off the books that isn't going to be like but cumbersome. There's a lot, like like both goalies are going to need. I mean, whether they're they need here or goalie. not, you need. A goalie, you gotta have one. Well, His hopefully it'll be Carter Hart or, or Carter Hart right. who well. will be on cheap deals because they haven't started their professional careers yet. I'm just saying, yet. you need someone in net. There's a, those are a lot of names that we're going to keep seeing. Haven't around. had anyone in net for 40 years. Why change that now? Oh, 40's a little bit of an exaggeration. Uh, they've had a couple goalies. We could say yeah. 20 since Hextall the first time. Yeah, <laughs> I actually watched the '87 uh, finals today. It was on the NHL Network. Oh, God damn, the game was slow back then. Like it's those weird guys to watch are it. slow. I think my. F- I'm sure Gretzky was awesome, but he wouldn't be able to keep up now. My I favorite, swear to God. my favorite, when looking to the '80s games, especially, is watching the goalie technique. Yeah, oh, it's it so is weird. so bad. Stand up so goaltending weird. is strange. They're just like standing there and like stick their arm out like this. Stand up goaltending is really strange it's to watch. Really it's weird. Really weird. All right, so. Um, I- there, there were like five other things that I was going to say about Wayne Simmons. And I would like to them. point out that I'm choosing to live in a reality in which every single one of our prospects has panned out in two years. That's and they're the all getting thing. paid. Some of these guys aren't going to pan out. No, Some of them, of them are going to get traded for uh, like other pieces that Except they're going to need. Speaking of traded, that's probably where I would go with Wayne Simmons. I, I would absolutely that, that's trade That's probably him. the future that we're living into. And that's why I'm looking towards an extension next summer because you either have to look at shopping him or 
you have to get something for him because he's a very valuable piece. Yeah, regardless. or you shop, shop him sure. on his current deal. Yeah, now, like now. this yeah, year. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. But you trade him now, you're trading uh, a really value. I, uh, this team is going to need veteran leaders with all these kids coming up. Like I know, you got that. I They're, know they've got no, a ton who? of them though. They both suck. Players. Well, they, they don't suck. They're both. Uh, they're, 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 they are both still in my mind, and you're, you're going to laugh at me for this. They're both more valuable right now than Wayne Simmons. Well, I would agree with that. Actually. I would also, but Bill, I don't Bill see it because of the intangibles. Bill, exactly. I'm Bill willing is to a pay for intangibles. Emotional reaction to Wayne Simmons. No, this isn't emotional. This is seeing that he's a leader on and off the ice. Well, he's so a guy who brings Jake more Voracek to the game. And, and Claude Giroux. I mean, that's very clear. Are they? Yes. When, when you, it's funny with the Wayne Simmons thing because it's like whenever there's a good outcome, it's like, yeah, Wayne Simmons is a great leader. And then whenever there's a bad outcome, it's like, man, Claude Giroux is a shitty captain. <laughs> like, like you, you notice how the way how this gets plays out because yeah, but that's because because every, everyone wants to think that oh, Wayne Simmons would be the greatest captain ever. You know, the minute Wayne Simmons would become a bad captain, the minute when he became he, yep. captain, then yep. he then he would suck and he'd be an awful leader. No, because he, the team wouldn't immediately. That's good. just people with bad hot takes, not people <laughs> who are actually judging these things. Wayne Simmons is clearly a leader on and off the ice that guys follow. Did, didn't did he freak out sometime at someone in the Good. locker room or something when, when they said that he should be oh, captain yeah. over Claude yeah. Giroux? Yeah, yeah, he, didn't uh, flip he, out? he flipped out because uh, this was like maybe three, four years ago. Randy Miller wrote an article basically saying that Giroux shouldn't have the C and then Simmons basically, like the next day somebody brought it up and Simmons basically said like, tell him never to come in our locker room again. Good. Yeah, that was funny. No, I love, I love Wayne Simmons. I just don't see him as an as, as a core piece. That was really interesting that you said that, Charlie, because when I think about the core of the team, I don't necessarily consider Wayne Simmons part of the core. He's part of the vet, veteran leadership group, but I don't think that he's essential to take the team to the next to the next level. I just think if Wayne Simmons is one of your top two forwards on your team, like you're not going to win anything. And, that, no and, 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 that's, and that's not a slight against Wayne Simmons. It's just a fact. But no one's saying he's going to be. No one wants him to be one of the two best forwards on the team. That's not what he does. Well, it's his it's his offensive production plus intangibles. When we talk about guys, oh, intangibles, you need the input and the output. He has both. He's the guy with both. He is tough and he scores goals. It's really hard to come by those guys. Do we I, have anybody need else them. that... Could, that parks in front of the net like him. We don't right we now. Have not now. Well. <laughs> they have they they have guys. They have prospects who maybe, but like they're prospects. You don't know. Right. They, there's a reason why they went out and they drafted a six foot six guy in Isaac Radcliffe because maybe he can become a Wayne Simmons. And it's in not two likely, years, are those guys going to be scoring thirty goals? Absolutely not. No, of course that's not, not going to be happening. Well, actually, I said they're all panning out. Which so again, yes, well, someone yeah. will. Kelly be. did say that. No, th- this is again why it comes down to the fact that like I'm not concerned with. The cap hit for Wayne Simmons' next deal in the first year or the second year or even the third year or year of the new deal. That's not what I'm worried about. What I'm worried about is the back half of that deal. Yeah. And the whole point of signing a guy in his early his or his early to mid thirties to a long term deal is there comes with an implicit knowledge that the beginning of that deal will probably be pretty good. You're either going to get yep. fair value or you're going to get surplus value because he outplays his deal. But you also know the back half of that deal is probably going to suck. And that's the risk you take. Maybe maybe it doesn't. Maybe he's a yager. But like generally speaking, guys, as they get in their mid to late 30s, they start becoming kind of crappy. So the question is, are they going, like, are they going to get enough value 
from the beginning of that deal from Simmons to make up for the back half of the deal. And if the team is good at the beginning of the deal, then the answer is yes, bring Wayne Simmons back. But if the team is bad or mediocre in the front of the deal, and maybe is only starting to get good as he starts declining, then you have to make you have to make an assessment as to whether maybe you're better off getting a, a haul for him next offseason rather than locking yourself in to a Milan Lucic type deal. And but, that's but that's the point is I'm doing this all under the assumption that 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 this team is what it's supposed to well, be. If, the, if this team I'm is what it's supposed to be, to I'm together, I'm trying just to not put convinced. together the championship <laughs> team that's built around these homegrown guys. Well, it's interesting that Charlie mentioned the contract structure because I, I've been looking I've been looking at a lot of contracts and how they they're broken down annually as opposed to just the annual average value. Mm-hmm. And Wayne Simmons's contract is more interesting than some of the other ones that I've seen, where many contracts are front-loaded, you get a lot of your money up front, and the latter years are, are less. He's making $5 million in his last year here. For a sub-4 million cap hit. Right, yeah, because right, the front the of the deal hit, was yeah. less. And in and, and his first year here, he was making two point eight. I mean, and this, that was on a three point nine. They got him cap hit, so it's it's just interesting, and I think that that five million dollars in his last year here is what's going to dictate what the next contract is going to be. I don't think it's going to be anything close to the AAV. I think it's going to be that five million plus at that least. He's making but that's last year. that's why you front load it and give him the five or six years. So at the end, it's not as much in terms of salary, and it brings down the AAV. Yeah, but for the Flyers, like some teams, the actual value of a contract year by year matters like if you're Arizona that matters whether you're paying a guy 10 million dollars of real money you're paying him 3 million dollars in real money the cap hit matters to a degree but you're a budget team you're looking at a budget for the Flyers doesn't doesn't matter matter. it doesn't matter all that matters is cap hit because the Flyers will spend whatever they have to 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 put together a good team so like I agree with Steph 100% that the $5 million is like the floor for Simmons because there's no way that Simmons is going to take a real life pay cut both no. in average annual value and by real life money to to resign with the Flyers is not going to happen. He's going to get more than five million dollar dollars a year unless he really falls off a cliff the next two years, which I think we're all in agreement. We're not expecting no. that to happen. I have happen. seen no sign of a decline whatsoever yet. So if you're only willing to sign him to that long term deal, if the Flyers are a contending team, doesn't the issue become that we don't really know if they're going to be a contending team if we have to think about signing him next summer? That's absolutely my my, my concern. That's why I want to see positive signs this year that the team is in the right direction. Right. That's, if I if, ne- see if the next year's a disaster, well. if next year's an absolute disaster and Haxtell gets fired at the end of the year and the team's finishing in the top ten and then draft again, then. You have to make some major changes, and I think one of those major changes, sadly, might have to be to trade Wayne Simmons because, yeah, maybe they turn things around. Maybe a bunch of rookies come up the following year and things break right, but you can't depend on that. Uh, look, Bill is looking at this from an optimist point of view. I'm looking at this from, from a pessimist point of view, and I'm saying that if things go wrong, you have to strongly consider moving Wayne Simmons. I hope that they go the way Bill's thinking because that's better for everybody. Yeah. I think you move him anyway because I think but, you get a haul for him. But that's even, exactly it. I think that his, you get a his haul value is huge. Even yeah. if you are able, and you use the Lucic contract as a uh, as an example here, Charlie, and it's it's a lot. And I'm not sure I'd be willing to put the seven and forty two out there for him. That's quite a bit. But you're looking at a uh, different circumstance. You're looking at re-signing with a team as opposed to hitting the open market. True. Getting him early, 
giving him that stability and, and, and having and, a situation Lucic, he's familiar with. And Lucic is younger. Yeah. She signed the deal at age 28. Simmons, we signed at the deal at age 31. But as I noted in the Easter egg section of last week's show, like Wayne Simmons is better than Milan Lucic. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, I think yeah. most, most hockey people would agree with that. Yeah, I'm just looking at getting him at a sub six, uh, a, a sub six AAV cap hit. And yeah, I, I, I that's. I, I, I just see it. I don't know if it's going to happen because that man deserves his money. Oh, he like, absolutely yeah. deserves it. He's earned it. That money. I just don't know whether it's going to be here, and I don't know whether it should be here. I love Wayne Simmons. I don't want to see him go, and I hope to God that he does not decline over the next two years. He deserves every single penny that some team gives to him. I just hope that it's not this team. Even if he, uh, even if this team doesn't. Even if this team doesn't develop at the rate at which we need it to, especially to get value out of a Simmons extension, say they give him the extension a year early and he's he's got it, he's locked up, you can still trade him for quite a bit. Maybe even more because he's still a really good player, a 30-goal scorer, and he's not a rental to a team. If it's a team who's looking to make uh, like an extended, like a, a Western Conference team that's looking to make an extended run, they're going to want him. They're going to want him long term. And they're going to want him at a, a a value where he's making less than, say, Milan Lucic. Maybe. Maybe. And and the one thing when this when this comes up, and this came up a lot in the Q&As, it comes up a lot on Twitter. It's just a neat little thought experiment because what else we have to talk about in July? The one reason why I kind of hesitate to dive headfirst into this debate is because in the end, I don't think... It doesn't even matter. It, well, it, <laughs> oh, rest rest, rest in peace, Chester. I actually didn't do that on purpose. Oh, but... God. But, I didn't mean to make it a joke on purpose. In, in any case, I don't think this is going to be really a major issue because I just think the Flyers are going to re-sign him. Like, I, I, it's really hard for me to envision a scenario where Ron Hextall looks at this without bias and looks at this as Wayne Simmons as, as a... As a, and as an asset, and not Wayne Simmons as the guy who means everything to this organization because he's the ideal flyer. Like I just, I don't think they're going to trade him. I don't think they're going to not re-sign him. And I think it could end up hurting the team in the long run if it's not the best situation. But I just, I, it's hard for me to envision a scenario where Hexall does not re-sign Wayne Simmons. I just think Wayne Simmons is. He's one of those guys that hockey people understandably just fall in love with because he's everything they want in a player. Well, good news is we don't have to worry about a Lucic deal because Shirelli is an idiot. This is <laughs> that's that was the other thing I wanted to. Uh, that's the other thing I wanted to put in. While like Ron Hextall may have shaken my confidence recently, given some of his moves, specifically last off season, he, he's done okay this off season. Um, he's been doing yes, okay. no, it's better. He's I still believe in him like infinity more. Than, than okay. what's going on in Edmonton. <laughs> so, don't, don't tell that to Edmonton fans because they're convinced he's a genius. They will come. Yeah, for they you. just have. They he's a genius. He rigged the lottery. <laughs> he like well, what did he did nothing except get Connor McDavid. Well, there are a lot of people who credit who credit Ron Hextall for getting number the number two pick in the draft lottery. So yeah, but that actually happened. Yeah. Right, but, but Ron Hextall didn't do I know, anything. I know. Um. Anyway, Wayne Simmons. That extension is two years away, and I'm actually... I think it's one year away. I well, think it happens next summer. Either way, we have to get through this entire season eh. before we actually have to deal with it. I'm putting 2017-18 on Simulate. I'm just picking it up. I'm picking it up in two years. <laughs> oh, okay. But, see, I'm right, envisioning... Cool. Like, you, ever, you ever seen that really not that good movie, Click? Oh, that's exactly what I was just going like, Bill's just going to be sitting in front of the microphone like with stone face as we do <laughs> a year's worth of shows because he fast-forwarded the whole season. Stone face. Face different than my normal face. <laughs> <laughs> 
do you like w- you say they could get a haul for Wayne Simmons? Yep. What is a haul? Lots of players in return that are good. I think and also <laughs> picks that would like, qualify as a haul. I, I narrowed it down I mean, for you. You look at you look at what Braden Shen brought back: two firsts and a roster player. I think that that's more than pro- that. Yeah, no, I, I think you get. I, I think you get more than that. More than that. Right I, now, yes. Uh, Braden Shen was younger and had about the same number of points. Yeah, except Simmons is not at five on five. Simmons is just like and same with he's Simmons. thought Simmons of so much more highly. He definitely too. is thought of more highly around no, the league. Uh, around here, no, no around, around no. the league. Watch people, a national people broadcast. Love Steph. Wayne Simmons. Like, you see it? Did you just tell me to watch the game? No, I'm I, I, did, did you just tell me to no, watch I'm the saying, game? No, I'm saying when you put watch the spreadsheets it. down, Steph. Seriously, when that, you that, watch, that's my line. When you watch a national broadcast, like Doc's not going on and on about Braden Shen. That's he's, not true. He's he going on does. and on about Wayne Simmons. He goes on and on about Braden Shen and Luke Shen and their entire <laughs> our entire family from yeah, exactly. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I mean, it happens. The Brandon Wheat King, Saskatchewan. It's Wayne Simmons is thought of more. Highly, and he has more elements to his game. He does. I just don't you think mean he wins fights. No, he wins fights and scores in the power play. That he really Brayden is Shen, just one of those Brayden hockey Shen players loses that hockey fights and scores in the power play. Well, he also scores more at five on five, and he wins board battles. He's a little bit faster of a skater. I, I just he, he's got more elements to his game. I just think that that hockey people adore that prototypical power forward because they're so rare in this day and age. And while, like, yes, Shen hits people, and I guess he's a forward, like, you don't think power forward, like, ideal power forward when you think Braden Shen. You think ideal. You think ideal power forward when you think Wayne Simmons. And hockey people just eat that shit up. Oh my God, I mentioned Braden Shen once and on Facebook. Once. <laughs> Settle down, is Facebook blowing up people. Asking me if I'm high, telling me to stop defending Shen. I mentioned him once because I'm convinced that Braden Shen and Wayne Simmons are the same type of player. She's not high. I, I mean, the, 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 I don't know. If, not tonight. Not tonight. I think Simmons is a more valuable player than Shen, but I'm not. I'm not here to debate value, like actual value. I'm here to debate the value that they have around the league, and I legitimately believe that Wayne Simmons is beloved by every single GM around the league. That's yeah. It's that's without question. I believe that maybe he's. You could probably get more for him because he might be overvalued in terms of. Like a team looking to make a playoff push, and like I said, oh my God, he scores thirty goals and he's a leader. Oh my God, he's gonna he's gonna drop his gloves and defend his teammates. Here's everything. Well, that's the thing. Like I think with Shen, it was like one team called and was like, "We'll give you this," and Ron was like, "All right, that sounds pretty good. We'll trade him." But I think that if you make it known that you might be shopping Wayne Simmons, the phone is not gonna stop ringing. Troy Brower gets money every single year to <laughs> to be awful at hockey. You know why? Because he's a power forward. Oh my god! Wayne Simmons is actually good at I hockey, that, and he's a power forward. I love that we talk about Wayne Simmons, and he is prototypical power forward. But I love that he's like 180 pounds. I know he's so yeah. skinny. <laughs> he's, he's it's so skinny funny. dude. Like, yes, but he is. He's got a, a ton of functional strength. Like I said, he is an excellent. He is excellent along the boards behind the net. He wins a ton of puck battles. He's uh, turned himself into a really good forechecker and. And now he is a penalty killer, and he's doing that. Yeah, he was well. awesome on the penalty kill yeah. this year. I, I think that that's something that maybe gets pushed aside a little bit. But he was amazing on the penalty kill this year. Speaking of the penalty kill, Charlie, now we are going to debate the what I'm going to call the most polarizing player. Oh, in he's a hundred percent Well, maybe not in Philadelphia, but definitely, definitely on the, the Flyers. Flyers yeah. Absolutely, number fourteen in your program, number mm. eleven or twelve in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Couturier. 
you said uh, like number four. I said in my uh, in my in my Facebook Q and A on Saturday that I am a Sean Couturier fan. I am a Sean Couturier apologist. Imagine but, uh, that. I still also do believe that he could be better. Oh, like yeah. he could definitely add could. elements to his game and produce better. But I really like what he brings right now, and people. People are already repri- replacing him with, uh, f- with German no. Rubsov. Like, the germ. Ruby! Like the, oh, if, if Couturier falters this the year, germ. Rubsov replaces him. I'm like, what are you talking about? Replaces him. A shutdown NHL center with a guy who came over from Russia this year. Because people... <laughs> Calendar year 2017. People look at goals scored, and that's like the only thing that matters in their tiny little brains. I could honestly give a single fuck if Sean Couturier scores 50 points in a season if he continues to shut down players like Malkin Low way that he does. That's what he brings to the table. That's the good thing. And it's elite. Oh, people oh, are people are one obsessed with point total and yeah. obsessed with label. Well if he's your two C, well no no no. Just use your three C against three C in quotes yeah. against third pair defensemen. Yeah. And guess what? That person will be the second leading scorer among your centers, but he's not getting the ice time. And it's about ice time, and I want the guy who plays great defense getting that ice time, and that's him. Imagine being upset that your 2 and 3C are equally as good, and you yeah. have to decide which one gets more but ice just time. Good what in, a terrible... Yeah. They're just good in different ways. Yeah, exactly, just both, good in different ways. Both equally good, valid, valuable to the team. One scores points, one stops points from being scored. Those are both good things. Is this true? I think it might be. It might be true. I I do believe one of the reasons why there's so much craziness around Couturier is because more than any other player on the team, there there's a a big section of people that think he's better than he actually is. Yeah. And then there's a big section of people that think he's worse than he actually is. And then both sides feel like they have to like push their agenda so heavily to counterbalance the other side, which is totally irrational. Like I'm more on the side of the better than the worse, but like Sean Gatturi isn't an elite hockey player, and no. like and you would you would think finally he, someone agrees. You would with think me. he might be based on like people say, oh well, you know he's the best five on five player on the team, and ah oh, he's a great play driver. Like he is hundred percent is probably the best five on five player on this team, but but <laughs> he's not a great five on five player in comparison to the best five on five players in the NHL. Yeah, it's which is saying a lot about this hockey team. Yes, this team is really bad at even strength. If it wasn't for that first power play unit, uh, they would not win any games. Pretty much. Yeah, in the last three years, they would have won uh, like ten games. It would have been ugly. (laughs) But by the same token, the people that then, in response to that, in response to the Sean Couturier is amazing, come back with Sean Couturier is a three C at best. He's he's no good. We've been waiting for him to score for years. He's trash. Do that. People say this stuff. Joe, Joe. (laughs) tweet that out, please. That's hilarious. Okay. What it's, a, it's a it's a movie poster of me in Click. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. But seriously, like I, I, I believe show. that one of the reasons why this gets so crazy of the Katuria debate is because you have people on on opposite sides where they're both going too far, and then that ratchets up the animosity, and that's why the the the, you know the, the, point, the point I made on Twitter. You know how there's that law in the internet where like any debate eventually will turn into somebody getting compared to Hitler. Yeah, it's yeah. like any flyers debate will eventually turn into a Shankaturia debate. Yeah, because that's the that's the one thing that like will always get people. But angry. That's the other thing is 
Sean Couturier is so good. Like, you call him a play driver. You call him, like, his underlying numbers are good. And it's just like, man, why can't he score? If he could score, he'd probably be, like, awesome. Yeah. But, like, people who just have that problem with analytics, like, oh, there's yeah. nerd. Like, people who, who call you a nerd. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm just, but like those people who just hate Corsi and Fenwick because it's a stupid word. I love how some people capitalize all the letters of Corsi. That never, that happy. never <laughs> ceases to make me laugh. The Corsi cucks. It's not an acronym. Um, <laughs> it's a word. Well, I think that the the biggest problem is, and this is this is an an, an overlying problem, is that people don't know how to how how to measure defense, and if you're a defensive forward people don't know how to measure that the only way that people know how to measure production is in points unless they look at the advanced stats unless they look at puck possession they look at zone entries which a lot of people won't do because they're very anti-stat so if you're only looking at points you're on or or god forbid plus minus you're only getting like 20 percent of the picture as to what's actually happening on the ice and that's why i think i think a lot of people hate sean couturier and why people also think that block shots is good for defense because you don't know how to measure defense i mean even i test so Steph, i speak like, in truth i feel like Thank couturier you. is good like i test good he is like i don't i don't need any stats to tell me that he's good well people will tell you that he's slow he is. He's, he's, not, he's not a good skater. Nope. He's, he definitely Fair. struggles, not the and best skater. that's that's tough sometimes. But just positionally, like some of the stuff he does in the neutral zone, uh, like I, I'm just a fan of his game, and I realize at the same time he can add elements. And I really wish he could play a little bit on the power play. It would play. be great. Like, that'd be no- yeah. first of all. It would it end would the debate. Yeah. If he could play a little bit on the power play, he'd be a 45 to 50 point guy, and that would be awesome. Yeah. But since he can't at all, it lowers his total numbers, and it gives like it gives those people the ammunition. Like he's never even had 40 points. Yeah. Like, it, I it, mean, he's been on pace. He's been hurt, and then yeah. just like make more excuses <laughs> exactly, from him. I'm like, they're exactly. numbers. <laughs> they're numbers. They're not excuses. <laughs> they're actual numbers. Just, they're facts. I just wish. But, I wish he would at one one year get to 40 just so we could just stop yeah. with that because both the last two years especially two years ago like yes. he would have easily blown past 40 had he not gotten healthy he was on pace for like 50 and that's that what year. I was I was looking at today I read this article about uh about Landis Cog and Duchesne oh, and, we, we're and, changing already uh, no I'm staying with this because I, I want to get to ideal line mates for Couturier okay. I read this article article about Landis Cog and Duchesne and how they just don't seem to have like chemistry like their numbers together are worse than apart and you would think two good players yeah. on the same line and i looked at uh, i looked at Giroux and voracek and they're actually a little better apart and especially Giroux is better without voracek and then i looked at voracek and couturier and they're really good together and i feel like they are a great combination and that's kind of what i'm looking to have those two do uh, be together going into this season i really wanted a full season of uh, couturier with braden shen doesn't look like we're going to be able to get that considering he's well, not. Well, it doesn't could, seem likely <laughs> considering one is no longer with couturier could still get traded to the blues who knows it could happen <laughs> So uh, no, that's I'm, true. That's a good point. Yeah. See. <laughs> all right. All so right. I'm I'm looking forward. I'm hoping to see uh, like perhaps a raffle. Another guy who controls play and has shown that he has good chemistry with Jake Voracek uh, plays pretty well in the uh, in the offensive zone. Good forecheck or good instincts. Not the best scorer, but if you put him with Couturier and put him with Voracek, hopefully they'll be able to create enough. That that's my ideal line too. That he's that's a, the line too. He's a non-traditional power forward too, Michael Raffle. Yeah, that's fair. He's got that power moved in the net. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Scores a lot of goals in front. I, I I like that too. I, I think that Voracek 
one of the problems I think, and this is something I'm going to go into in my my upcoming player review of Drew, which I'm working on now, um, which will be on BroadStreetHockey.com in a few days. Anyway, good plug, Charles. I know. I'm, I try, but. I believe that one of the reasons why the Voracek Giroux tandem doesn't work as well now as it used to is because Giroux in the past used to have no issue getting to high danger areas as a shooter. He obviously was more of a playmaker, but he he got to the front of the net. He got to the slot. He's doing less of that now. Yeah, now unless it's a one-timer on the power play or a long wrist shot, like get it over the blue line and a long wrist shot, he's really not shooting. Yeah, so now you have, if you put Giroux with Voracek, you have two guys who are both trying to set up someone in the slot and no one's actually going there. Whereas if you put Voracek with Katuria, Katuria actually goes there. Raffle actually goes there. Then you can have Voracek as the playmaker on the line and let those two guys be the guys who get to the dirty areas. Drew, on the other hand, needs to be put with players who can get to the dirty areas because at least over the last two seasons, he hasn't been going there. So put him with a player who will go there and he can pass it to him like he does on the power play. That That's the way I look at it. And that's why I like the idea of Voracek with Katuria. Yeah, I always like splitting up Giroux and Voracek. I hate when they put them together. There's no need. And I think it's putting them together on the power play, then that creates a stress for the defense that they're not dealing with the whole rest of the game. It's like, oh, now we have two-point guards, and it's just a different look mm-hmm. when they're not playing together at 5-on-5. Five five. My, my concern about putting Voracek with Couturier and Raffle is... Are, are they going to be the second line? Because that's a lot of responsibility for Sean Couturier, and I'm not sure whether he's ready for that yet. I mean, I don't. who else is it going to be? Like, or if, if it's not Sean Couturier, is it going to be Nolan Patrick? Is that too much responsibility for a 19-year-old? I mean, that's also a good question. Couturier, could, could it be Philpola? I don't want Philpola playing center on this team. I want to play. <laughs> well, I had, we had funny things to say about that. <laughs> Should we get to our hot takes? Yeah, for... we can do hot takes now. Uh, we... Try changing up the format of the show a little bit today because we're we're going to cut it a little short and there's just not a whole lot going on. So, uh, Steph, why don't you kick it off? Um, well, I forget what I was going to say. Scroll up. Scroll up, buddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pigs. Um, so I give Bill a lot of shit for saying that Giroux and Voracek are overpaid. But as I mentioned earlier, I've been starting to look at... Um, the the how much each player is getting paid per year and i uh i'm starting to jump on this voracek maybe overpaid bandwagon um and and i i understand i'm looking at salary versus aav and i understand that for good players most of the time they're going to be overplayed overpaid not overplayed um last year jake voracek got paid 10 million dollars and I think that I can confidently say that he didn't produce at a ten million dollar level. But what are taxes like in the Czech Republic? You know. Well, I mean, he'd be he'd be taking Philadelphia taxes, which are normal. I don't actually know. And, I should and, know because I lived here for long enough. And New Jersey taxes, right? And, yeah. Well, and Depending and on where he lives, he, li- he lives in New Jersey. Oh. Um, and you know, every other city that it's they why he play has to in, have because that... you got to play, you've got to pay taxes for every city that you play. It's why he's got to have that side job as a trash man. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, I don't. I, I can say confidently that he didn't produce at a ten million dollar level. He's getting ten million dollars this year too. Is he going to produce at a ten million dollar level? Here's hoping. Um, in 2022, he'll be making the least base salary on his contract, and that's $6.25 million, which I feel like maybe it's closer to the contract I'd be more happy and comfortable with, but I think that that's 
really unrealistic, not only because it's already done, but also he was going to demand more than that. Um, but what will he look like in 2022 if, if we're already a little bit concerned in 2017? Um, I, I think that this could be a contract in the distant future that is problematic. It and, does, did, and I'm just just starting to get there. Yeah, it definitely could be. I, I think the the point I'll, I will make there is that when the deal was signed, Voracek was playing like one of the best wingers in hockey. Right. It was, he, it was after his point per game. Yeah. Season. So the, so it's in that, and I'm not even looking at necessarily the points. Like I I wrote his season review a few uh, I think it was last week, and like as a play driver, he was one of the best play drivers in hockey. He was like at like Patrice Bergeron levels. He was incredible. And considering the outcomes he was driving on the ice, both on the power play and a five and five, he deserved that money. This was not a case of the Flyers overpaying him for one good year. He deserved no, that just, money. They just bought him at his highest. Yeah, they just bought him at his highest. But you're absolutely right in that this year he did not play like that guy. And the concern yeah. is that it, you know is this the new normal for Voracek? It's kind of a similar conversation that we have with Giroux, except. I'm more optimistic that Voracek bounces back than I am Giroux. Really? <gasps> well, just because, I mean, I just feel like Voracek still looks more like the guy from two years ago than Giroux looks like the guy from two years I ago. Think, see, I yeah. think Giroux will be fine. I think Giroux can settle into a role as a specialized player just, because we have uh, Nolan Patrick and we have Sean Couturier and we have this center depth. He can still do the things he's best at. And we can kind of hide the areas in which he's been struggling. Once they actually have talent on this team, it's going to take a lot of pressure off of Claude Giroux. I, I think, hope so. I mean, there there is minimal talent on this team. And I, I think that that's the great unsaid that a lot of people don't like to talk about. But there is not a lot of talent on this team. It's Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek and Ivan Provorov. And that brings me to my hot take, bringing in more talent. Hey! Oh God! Here we go. On Friday. Oh no! I actually uh, don't hate this. Johnny, oh boy! It's a You're great. Uh, it's a him. great trade. Oh no! I don't, I don't. I don't think they would do it. But I mean, I think this is exactly that the kind of guy who I'd love for them to say, do. We run this league. Our money keeps all you teams where you're supposed to be. Calgary doesn't make a dollar for this league. Flyers make like half the money for the league. They should hold them up and Behind say, "Give Las us your Vegas. best player." Did you know that Las Vegas is making more revenue right now than Philadelphia Flyers? Nah, are? I don't know about that. I like when people say Calgary. Is that what I said? No. Okay. No. Uh, on Friday. Who the hell says Calgary? People Bill. from people from Canada. <laughs> on Friday. Well, they should learn how to talk. Go ahead, South Bill. Jersey's own Johnny Goudreau gave an interview uh, to the WIP Morning Show on which he said it would be sweet if he could play for the Flyers one day. Let's make that happen immediately. No, it's, it's going to be the end of thing. his career. It probably will be. Jake Goudis... And a whole mess of picks gets it done. That absolutely gets I, it done. I, I don't think that gets. Why it would done. Calgary do that? Because they need defensemen too. We throw in a couple. We throw no, in a couple don't. prospects. They have how, like hold on. They have how great many players defensemen. are you trying ah. to get rid of for Johnny Hockey? Four or five. Let's take a step back though. Jesus Christ! Calgary doesn't have good defense. Calgary has Mark Giordano, TJ Brody, Dougie Hamilton, and they just traded for Travis Hamonic. Are they good? Eh. Oh yeah, they're good. Like eh. that, that's a good defense. That's they don't need right. Rad Kogudis. They could really use Rad Kogudis. No. <laughs> they could absolutely use Rad. Really I'm surprised we haven't brought up a Gudis extension. Anytime. He's got a cannon. 
People forget oh, that. Oh, Gudis just doesn't fit into the future. That's I, I love Radko Gudis, but I don't see him fitting into the Fine. future. That's a lot of hockey players to give up. For one great one. Look, Johnny Gudis is a great one player. Great I, one. I know, I know. We just did our, our 25 under 25, which we were going to talk about today, but Travis told us no. Yeah, he's a jerk. Dad doesn't mm-hmm. like any fun. No fun. Anyway, um, go get Johnny anyway, Goudreau. Jo- Johnny Goudreau was definitely top five on my 25 under 25 at least i don't remember did what... you know that he's from cherry hill is he actually from cherry hill is People that forget true that. where's no, johnny he's from, from salem Carney's county yeah. Yeah. i was gonna say it's somewhere he went to gloucester catholic yeah. i got really confused for a second um i'd love to have johnny goudreau i just don't want to sell the entire team what entire team well you just you just name like eight players jake who you just went on about how he's overpaid <laughs> Gudis, who there's no room for right but now but but let's go back and a bunch to your, of prospects. Let's go back to your and picks. earlier point about how you need veteran leadership. Now you're just shipping out two of them, and we just talked about how Wayne Simmons might not be. Well, back. he's because he's bringing back Wayne yeah, Simmons. Wayne Simmons, Wayne Simmons is, back. is, oh, is right, veteran right, leadership. Right, right, yeah. right, that is right. all they need. Got it. That's okay. it. And Drew, and then your defenseman will be older by then. Gosses Bear will be a veteran leader at that point. Sure. Please don't forget about Andrew McDonald. Andrew McDonald will not be here in two years. <laughs> Andrew McDonald is never leaving. Charlie, what's your hot take? Uh, so my hot take is focused on contracts. The, a very interesting topic, of course. It doesn't put everyone to sleep. But what annoys me about contracts and the way they're presented in on Twitter, in the media, among fans, is they need to be looked at in their proper context. And you can't compare a deal that a player signs when he still has a bunch more years left of RFA control versus a deal that is given to a guy who just hit unrestricted free agency. Classic example being... Every time a deal like the Victor Arvison contract gets signed, all you hear is, "Oh my God, this is such a steal! How could this player possibly have taken it? Look at all, look at the comparable players to him. You know, you have great play. You have these awful players getting four million dollar a year deals, and Victor Arvison's getting paid four million dollars a year. And how could he be so stupid to put himself in that comparable? You can't compare RFA contracts to UFA contracts because the team has leverage if they still have two, three, four years of RFA control over a guy. They can just theoretically take him to arbitration. Every year. Or they can give him a one-year deal and say, hey, here's a one-year deal. Take the risk. If you get hurt in your value tanks, sorry. Then you go from being a $3 million a year player to a $1 million a year player, and you have no security whatsoever. The reason why RFA deals tend to be good for the team is because the team has leverage and because the player wants a long-term deal because they want the security. Do I think Victor Arvidsson should have taken a short-term deal, bet on himself, boosted his value, and then gotten a ton of money at age 26 or 27? Yeah, that probably would have been the smarter risk. But... You can't compare a UFA deal to an RFA deal, and you can't just say that deal was stupid because the players are dealing with the confines of their situation. They're not just taking less money to take less money. Word. Yeah. Kelly, what's your hot take? You didn't put anything here, and I'm oh, interested. Oh, she's got one. Oh, it's I got good. one. I have to thank Steph for reminding no, me no, about no, it. No, 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 it's yours. In case you folks <laughs> needed a reason to look to BroadStreetHockey.com for all of your Flyers coverage, the main hockey voice at one of the city's biggest sports outlets, said this week that in order for the Flyers to work this season, either Valtteri Filppula no, no, or... No, 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 no. Not no, even no. Filppula. The worst one. The one that oh, doesn't exist. Oh, it was the one I forgot. You're right. Either Latera <laughs> or the number two overall pick in this year's draft, likely franchise center Nolan Patrick, will have to be moved to wing. And... 
it would be uncomfortable neither, and unnatural. Oh, yes. <laughs> neither would be natural. It might be unnatural for him to play at wing. So so that's the coverage you get from the other guys. And if you come to us, you get Charlie saying smart things. So make your pick. And if anybody honestly believes that... Uh, what, what even is Latera? That guy. <laughs> I don't even know his name. You just hate him so that much. Guy, that other so guy. Much. That guy gets gets to keep the center position over, over Nolan, Nolan Patrick. Patrick? Imagine like, thinking, imagine stop. thinking imagine that Nolan really Patrick that. is going to play one single second at wing on this team. Just so, imagine thinking. So that. Nolan Patrick got interviewed at a at Dev Camp. Yeah, he obviously wasn't on the ice, but he was still there. Get media access. Somebody asked him about the wing question. Did he you gave, see his boil? He gave the. Uh, he didn't have the boil at the time, but but thank you, Kelly. It's fake news. Um, he did give like the stock answer of you know I'll do whatever I have to do to make the team. I'll play whatever wherever position they want me to play. He then said that I've played one period in my life at wing. <laughs> And they asked him, well, how did you do it? And he was like, well, it was one period. They put me right back at center the next period. <laughs> so I don't think they're going to put him at wing. That's just a theory. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you so much to John Barchard and WIP. Have a great week, Philly. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do it again. We did it last week. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah. Who's going to score? egg at the end of last se- last week's Ooh, episode that we, we were going to talk about Wayne Simmons. Good like, let's point. fucking go in that hard. Is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drivers That's making right. points. I was happy to use the term Easter egg having uh, the Ready Player One trailer drop today. Everyone's fucking this week. hating on that book this week, and I want everyone to go and fuck themselves. Of course know. they that are. They're all miserable assholes. I, I heard it was a good book. I, it was great. I haven't read it, but I heard and, it was good. Uh, and, uh, What's his face that narrated in the audiobook that I loved? Uh, I don't even know I, what you guys are talking about. It. So, was it Will Wheaton? Will Wheaton? Will Wheaton? Did he really? Why were Why that. were people shitting on it? Because they're I've, miserable assholes. Like, I've, I've, I've only heard good things about this book. Love story to pop culture. It's fucking Sheldon from Bazinga. Like fuck off, don't dude. Don't watch it, was, it. It was fucking good. <laughs> don't watch Spiel- it. Spielberg is <laughs> directing it. Like. This isn't like some schmuck. Like it it's was one of the best. It's yeah, one of the like, best directors of like our entire recent era. Like he doesn't pick shitty movies. Ready to Player One was so good. He bought the rights to the next book before it was written. He and sold the next Armada one was good too. before Armada existed. I didn't and it was even, awesome. It was. I didn't even like. Like I wasn't even like a video game nerd in the eighties, and I still loved it. Yeah, I turned it down for fucking Thank great. You. My comic book nerd friends it's just love Bill. it. <laughs> Uh, who is who is shitting loud. on this? No, that's it. Um, I've seen a lot on Twitter about jerk-offs. people being like, Ernest claimed an asshole. He wrote a poem about like, porn. Uh, actually, I wrote Ready Player One. And yeah. Stuff. Like, I was like, what the fuck is everybody <laughs> talking about? <laughs> people are dumb. 
Read the sentence from Ready Player One and then act superior about what a nerd the guy wrote it is. Like, You're listening you. to... Sorry, John. Just tell me to shut up. All right. It's 8.56. William. William. Why are all of my clocks are in 840? Like my my computer says eight forty eight. My car says a different time. Like what the fuck? Nine forty, William. Okay. Fucking crush it. Let me scroll yeah. down to my Wayne Simmons. No, let, wh- whatever. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, have they missed our Ready Player One discussion? <laughs> <laughs> That's trash. I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the scheme and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly.